Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Hello, Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our very first BFF cast of 2022, which is when Mags and I are each other's guests. Today's topic is loneliness and social connection, because so many members of our Anxiety Sisterhood have been writing to us about feeling isolated and lonely as a result of not only the pandemic, but also their anxiety. In our book, The Anxiety Sisters Survival Guide, available wherever you buy books or an audiobook. Sorry, apps. I just, I had to let people know where to get it. Okay. Well, we say that social connection is one of the necessary components of happiness. In fact, we wrote a whole chapter on the effects of loneliness and how to become more connected. So today's show is all about how connecting with each other and other beings, including animals, should be part of every anxiety sufferer's treatment plan. I'm thinking that we should start out today talking a little bit about Harry Harlow. Ah, Harry Harlow. Yeah, tell us a little bit about him. He was a very controversial psychologist. He did these experiments with rhesus monkeys at the University of Wisconsin at Madison. And actually, one of his students was Abraham Maslow. One of his most well-known and, in my opinion, cruelest studies involved putting monkeys in isolation chambers for up to two years. And as you'd probably guess, those monkeys emerged very ill, physically and emotionally. They they started out perfectly neurotypical and healthy, and they would come out of isolation, antisocial, starving themselves, experiencing depression and anxiety, and doing all kinds of, of self-harming behaviors. And the result of all these experiments was not only the birth of the movement against animal cruelty in research, but also... Harry Harlow's often quoted line, a lone monkey is a dead monkey. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So monkeys are just like humans. They're a social species. We're wired for connection. Yeah. We have to be part of the tribe, right? We have to be part of the group. Absolutely. But I mean, we're even wired for it in terms of our neurons, our nerve cells. We have mirror neurons, which allow us to read and imitate other human beings. One way you can see this in action is if you smile at someone. I'm smiling at you right now. Look, you're smiling back. I actually can't see you right now, believe it or not, but I'm smiling back because you told me you were smiling at me even. Wow. That's even more interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we should talk about the difference between being alone and feeling alone because before we go any further in the podcast, that would be something to differentiate. And it's really important to know that being alone is not necessarily loneliness. And in fact, some people, particularly people who are a little more introverted, tend to get a lot of energy from being alone. And you can be alone and and not feel lonely at all, right? But then there is that loneliness, which is more like when you are craving that connection, craving a sense of belonging and a sense of support, and you can't find it. Yeah, you're feeling sort of outside of your tribe. Right. You're feeling like you don't have anyone, you know, or enough people to rely on and to talk to or to know that they really understand what you're going through or who you are. Married people can be lonely too. In fact, I can't remember the statistic, but I think it's about at any given time, like a third of married people report feeling really lonely. Because it's not being in the room with someone. 
Right. It's, it's the sense of connection. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. Tell, tell them what the research says about social connection. The research is really about how much social connection affects our physical and our emotional health, right? People with social connection live longer. They definitely weather traumas easier. Like, so when things go really wrong in your life, if you feel socially connected and supported, you have much more resilience. People feel less depressed and anxious and happier. Um, and even they see in, in our bodies, there's less inflammation. Better immunity, physical resilience as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole idea, I mean, I guess we should understand that better than anyone that our brains and our bodies are not separated, right? Our emotional experience in this world is not separate from our physical experience in this world, but it's still unbelievable. It's still such incredible research to me. In some sense, it made us feel sort of optimistic because there's so much research showing that like, even if you are overweight or have other health conditions, you're in better physical stead if you don't, if you're someone who has social support and not struggling with loneliness. Yeah, absolutely. Evolutionarily, there's a reason that yeah. we need a connection, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you were outside of the group, then you were much more likely to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or trampled by a woolly mammoth or kidnapped by another tribe. Your, you know, your very survival was at stake. So that's a little bit about how this this instinct to connect has developed since, you know, since the beginning of evolution. Wait, so you could not always order in from like Grubhub or something. You had to go out and right. get your food. And it was a lot more dangerous to do it by yourself. Exactly. You needed you needed backup. You needed people to communicate with to help you feed yourself and your kids and your family. And also, you know, you had to work together to stay warm, etc. So, you know, human beings are absolutely a social species. So mm -hmm. we, we know that. Mm -hmm. We also know that our culture tends to promote loneliness in lots of ways. Yes, definitely. Talk about that. Yeah, well, anything that really others us can promote loneliness. So racism or discrimination based on, it could be based on anything. It could be based on ethnicity. It could be based on age. It can be based on weight. It could be based on anything. You and I talk about sometimes the medical establishment really creating that sense of being othered. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and stigma. I mean, we talk all the time about the stigma that creates so much judgment and shame, particularly around mental issues like anxiety and depression, but also around all kinds of physical ailments, too. And then stigma around, you know, everything, like you said, being overweight or being not part of the in-group. Yes. And then we definitely live in a culture that's very much about the individual, right? It's very much about you being, quote unquote, responsible for yourself. Rather than seeing us in a more collective way as having responsibility for each other. Right. There's a lot of Eastern cultures who are very much collective and they believe in the we, but Western cultures like the U.S. are very I oriented, very me oriented. The fact that we are connecting beings and we require that for our very happiness, it's to me very paradoxical. Yes. You are not part of a group or a tribe. You are out there totally on your own 
and to make it make it or you know or not and that is a, a very lonely place for a lot of people and i i find also in our culture there's a whole lot of thoughts out there that if you rely on others you're weak absolutely Absolutely. And I think that, that promotes a lot of isolation and loneliness because our, ten, you know, our tendency as social animals is to try to connect with each other. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's what we want to do. In fact, that's why you and I created the Anxiety Sisterhood, because we thought we need a place to connect with anxiety sufferers all over the world. There needs to be a safe place where we can all sort of reach out and say, hey, me too. Yes. And, you know, it was interesting, like I was listening to someone who's a rape survivor talking about how people kept saying to her, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, practice self-care, like after she was through this trauma. And, you know, she was saying, this, this has been the most traumatic, terrifying, painful thing that's ever happened to me. I, I don't have a lot within me to practice self-care. Like I, I need other people to care for me right now. Right. And then yeah. of course we've been through the, now we're in year three of this global pandemic. And that has been extraordinarily isolating because of the quarantining and because of the fact that, you know, we've sort of taken sides as to what the right way to be and the wrong way to be are. And so there's there's that. And I just think that there, it's been a very isolating and lonely experience for a lot of people, not just anxiety sufferers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have become anxiety sisters from the pandemic. So that's definitely this time right now is very isolating and lonely. Yeah. So we have sort of the cultural promotion of loneliness. And and then of course we have the loneliness that has developed from our own experience. Oh yeah. And this is so much a part of the story. We see that like if people have grown up in homes where they've had a lot of trauma or there's been abuse, it's really hard to learn how to trust people. Trusting people and forming connection is a skill that we gain in childhood little by little. And if you have grown up in a in a situation where people were not trustworthy around you, the adults who were supposed to be caring for you did not care for you, it's very hard to become oriented to who you can trust and when. And it can be a very lonely experience. Mm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true of a lot of our anxiety sisters. We've heard. Oh, from. definitely. They've suffered from emotional or physical abuse or have had real good reason to not trust people. And then that becomes the narrative of yes. their lives. And it becomes really difficult for them to connect, which, of course, contributes to anxiety and depression and makes it harder to heal from the anxiety and the depression. Right, right. If you're dealing with also a lot of shame, you know, shame is one of the most isolating things. Because shame, what is it? It's being disconnected from the group, right? It's feeling like you don't belong to the group, that that you'd be outcast somehow. So it's really hard to both feel shame and connection. So basically, we believe that healing from anxiety is not a solo project. Despite the individualist ethic of Western cultures, we say, boo, that's not true. Healing from anxiety is not a solo project and you're not weak or lazy or wrong somehow for wanting and needing other people to help you and support you in your journey. Some There has to be some form of connection in your treatment plan. Yes. 
Let's talk about some solutions. You and I are very practical, so we like to get to the part where, all right, we define the problem and we know we know that there's a lot of loneliness out there and a lot of lack of connection out there. Let's talk about how to promote some connection in your life. What can you do to become a little bit more connected and therefore a little more happy? Well, if you're really having trouble connecting, we always say start small. We say that about everything. Start small. Don't start saying like, I have to go out and find a group of best friends, right? Start very, very small in your daily interactions. That could be waving to your male person. That could be when you go in to get a cup of coffee, saying hi to the person giving you your coffee, starting to get to know their name or a little bit bit about them. Because even those really small interactions make a very big difference in our emotional states. We've seen that in study after study after study that people who even had those small connections like in their neighborhoods or in their lives. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. There's a really interesting study done in Chicago and I'm forgetting the author of the study's name. It'll come to me at three o'clock in the morning probably. But anyway, um, he did uh, a study where he had two groups. One group was supposed to get on the train, the the L in Chicago, and sit there quietly and not say anything to anybody. And the other group was supposed to get on the same train and just say hello and wave to someone else on the train. At the end of the day, they asked all the subjects how they felt about their day. And overwhelmingly, the people who had said hello or waved to someone else on the train felt so much happier and like they had had better days. You don't have to have an intimate interaction with someone no. to feel connected. You can be connected by waving to people. I mean, I go for my morning walk in the park. I wave to everyone. Yeah. And it, it definitely makes my walk better. Absolutely. Even if they don't wave back, I don't care. It's about what you're doing, not about what they're doing. Right. Um, what, else, what else can people do? Well, volunteering is really amazing if you can do that. And I know it's pandemic and this and that, but there are ways you can even volunteer, you know, just using your computer, right? Like you don't have to actually be in a place. I also know that my kids used to horseback ride at a place that did horseback riding for special needs kids. And I remember talking to one of the volunteers. She was someone who had recently retired and she loved horses so much. And she said that she wanted to fill some time, but she didn't realize how much not only connecting to the horses would mean to her, but also connecting to the other volunteers. They formed really tight friendships. Yeah, that's great. I mean, even volunteering at, at libraries and schools and senior citizen centers. I mean, these are all places where a connection, I mean, there's so much connection to be had. And speaking of horses, I mean, connecting with animals is also oh, considered yeah. social connection. It doesn't have to be with another human. Yeah. So I hear, I hear a lot of introverts cheering right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but riding horses or, or holding your dog or your cat or, I mean, listen, I have an anxiety sister friend who has an iguana. This is not my idea of a very close relationship, but her connection with this iguana is really impressive. I mean, this iguana, it fetches, it sits on her lap. You know, so you can get your social connection in lots of places. I mean, you know, some people would argue you can get it from nature, from being out, from gardening and being out in the woods and connecting with plants even. So, you know, just think about connecting with living beings. Yes. Yes. And one of the great things too, is like, if you connect with say your dog, I'm just giving an example here, but you know, I, I had a friend who, 
who had a whole bunch of like sort of acquaintance friends at the dog park, you know, and it was a very low pressure situation because really they sat and talked about their dogs and, you know, watched their dogs together. It was a good way to see other people without that pressure of like, what can I talk about? Because you had a built in conversation there and they would have dog birthday parties and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. And our friend Jeff from Go Fetch Wellness, he talks all the time about how connecting with his dog Earl saved his life. Yes. And it also allowed him to connect with other people because him and Earl would go walking in nature and they would meet other people and start talking to them too. Once you're connecting, the connecting becomes bigger. And then also, you know, you don't have to formally volunteer to do the giving thing. And giving is one of the things that really connects us to each other. You you know, if you like to cook or bake, make something for a neighbor. You know, that's not exactly volunteering, but it it will accomplish the same goal. It will make you feel connected to the other person and make the other person feel really connected to you, especially if you're my neighbor and you're making chocolate. In Hoboken, I had this wonderful neighbor, Margaret and Bob. And Margaret held on to our keys for us because, you know me, I'm always losing my keys. So if I couldn't find my keys, I knew that we had a second set of keys with Bob and Margaret and I would just knock on their door. They were, they were much older and they were often home and it was very connecting for us. Another thing that I love um, and I do often is I take online courses. You do. I can, I can, I love taking online courses. A lot of them are free. You go on Coursera org. They're free, these courses, and you can meet people in these wonderful classes and you can enrich yourself and learn about something. I try to pick things that I don't know very much about. Yeah. Having anything in common with people, like you, even if you just want to learn to crochet, like so many people say to me, I want to learn to crochet or knit. They say this on Anxiety Sisters, but I can't do it on the internet. I don't know how. And I'm like, walk into any yarn store and ask when they're knitting circle is walk into your public library and ask when their crafting circle is you know public libraries are such a rich source of connection too oh my goodness yes now this brings on its way community gardens oh yeah yeah it's really just this idea of finding something you don't even have to be good at it you just have to have some sort of interest in it Because there'll be other people who are good at it and they'll teach you. And it takes the pressure off because a lot of us are concerned about, oh, if I have to connect, if I have to meet people, what am I going to say? I'm not good at small talk. Right. You don't have to do small talk if you're going to talk about something you have in common, like a particular sport you like or a a particular music you like. It can be anything. I mean, cooking class, anything you can think of. If you have a mutual interest, the conversation is built in. Exactly. And then we have. Anxiety Sisters or other online support groups, you know, but we see a lot of people supporting each other on Anxiety Sisters and connecting with each other. Yeah. Um, Come to our Facebook page if you want to see real connection happening virtually. We have a support group called The Coping Crew talking about anxiety and the idea of how much connection there is in that group. People who felt pretty alone and disconnected, some of them are now feeling much more a part of this group. I feel a part of the group. It's very connecting to be able to just be very open about talking about our anxiety. Yeah. So there are so many ways that you can start to connect. And like Maggie said, baby steps. You know, sometimes people definitely write to us and say like, 
when I meet someone and I start to really connect with them, they always disappoint me because like we were talking about before, if you experienced a lot of trauma, isolating was one of your coping mechanisms, right? And and it was a way to keep yourself safe often. And so it's sometimes feels really hard to break that pattern or to recognize who you can trust and in what situations. You know what I mean? Like that's not easy. And we know sometimes that's something that you really need some help with from therapy. But you can also start really, really small. So you don't have to worry about like, how much can I trust this person? If you start volunteering, if you start finding a hobby and doing it with other people, all those things are a great way to sort of be, to sort of be out and about and like flex the muscles, but very small way where you can protect yourself. And the research has shown you don't have to be conversing with someone else to be connecting with them. And I'll give you a great example. My dad. I was just thinking of your father. Isn't that weird? My dad, who, um, who in his retired years has become quite the sculptor. On Fridays, he and his buddy get together and sculpt. But here's the funny thing. They are both in completely apart from each other under their own tents with their own sculpting stuff and their own loud you know, instruments that they use for sculpting that it just makes a ton of noise. It sounds a lot like a dentist drill out there. They don't talk to each other. They don't even look at each other, but they're about, I don't know, 20, 30 feet apart in these tents. And it's a very social thing for them. Even though they don't talk, it's, you don't have to talk, just standing near another human doing something together, even if you're not actually together is considered social connection. Oh yeah. You know how um, there are these um, board game stores and they are always looking for other players. And so you really don't have to talk about anything intimate. You're really playing the game, but it is so connecting. If you play canasta, if you play gin, bridge, poker, any of those games, you can join online gaming communities where all you can talk about is your cards. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. talk about anything else, but you know, real friendships can be formed when you're playing with the same group of people over and over. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So moral of the story, healing is not a solo project. You know, what's a great way to connect to, I think, is our Tuesday night book group that's going on right now. Yes. And we're going to talk about that um, in the announcements. So stay tuned for the announcements yeah. what's happening right now. First announcement, we have a book. <laughs> Yeah, the survival guide. Buy it and let us know if you bought it because right now we have something we want to send you a little, a little a bonus gift that we want to send to you. Purchased our book. To, it's our way of thanking you for your support. If you already bought the book, thank you so much. We so appreciate it. And if you don't mind, could you leave us a review wherever you bought oh, the book? Please, that would be leave us a review. Amazing. So that's what you can do for us. And here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to keep doing our Tuesday night book club. Mm-hmm. Tell them about our book club, Mags. Yeah. So Tuesday nights on Facebook Live. So you just basically go to our Facebook page and you will see it. We have a book group where we present about a chapter of our book. At 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't cost anything and you don't even have to even tell anyone you're there. No one will know you're there if you don't want to be known, but you can participate. We have a question and answer session at the end. The whole time people are people are often talking to each other. You know, someone will say, oh, I'm dealing with this. 
And someone else will say, me too. What do you do? Like people are even having conversations. They're online conversations, even while we're giving our presentation. And we encourage that. It's very connecting. And we do activities and we provide you with information. We try to give you extra stuff that wasn't in the book. And uh, and you don't have to go in order. So if you if you would like to start this Tuesday, just join us. Also, we are really hoping that, that we're going to get back out there in March. We have a date, March 13th at the Columbus JCC. We are really hoping we can keep that date. We had a February 13th date in Washington, D.C. that is going to be postponed because we're, they're not quite ready to go back to live, but we're really open to do it. I mean, it, we are we are really looking forward to March, April, May, June, getting out there and meeting all of our anxiety sisters and brothers out there. So check our new events page on our website, which tells you everywhere we're going to be, both virtually and live. And you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at the Anxiety Sisters and, you know, marginally on Twitter. As always, if you have feedback, especially compliments, questions, or an idea for a podcast, please email us. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we really appreciate you leaving us a review on SoundCloud or Apple Music or Spotify or Amazon, anywhere that you get your podcast, because that's how we get the word out to more Anxiety Sisters. Okay, Mags, we're going to do it. Ready? Okay. We're okay. Connect with each other right now and do this right. Oh. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, anxiety, anxiety sisters, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. All right. Half of it. We got <laughs> half of it. So next time we're going to get the whole thing. You've been listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2020.